one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. The podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. There is a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. My name's Dan Moylan. Hello. And Michael Normanton's with me. Hello. So is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. If you want to get all our podcasts ad-free, a daily email and a full digital sub, plus discounts on future merch and magazine specials, have a look at TSB Plus, our new subscription package. Full details of that, the squareball.net forward slash plus straight into white watching then and reflections on aston villa away where we won three nil we had a jolly nice time on friday and i still feel quite warm and fuzzy and nice about leeds it's a good feeling this isn't it long may it continue i keep watching stuff that's when i know i've had a good time when i keep going back to look at things again there were many times where we'd, i'd basically go to a game on a saturday and then i'd just try my best to forget about it i wouldn't want to watch whatever it was quest or BBC or whatever, whatever the football league highlights were on, I'd just pretend it hadn't happened until the next week. Can you believe we had to lower ourselves to Quest? Leeds United Football Club being forced to endure that shite on a Saturday night. Sorry if you do work at Quest, I'm sure it's fine, but you know. People have complained about PPV, but it, at least it's not on Quest. We should only ever have been broadcast on in-flight television on Concord, nothing else. <laughs> it's a very 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 niche market but that's how important we are and how special we are no, it was good wasn't it and um, I think a quick word again on Patrick Bamford and how well he did on, on Friday during the game actually I was uh, I was sending messages to KG who we had, you might remember we had a, the Phil Hay show a while ago because at the end of last season we had several discussions about Pat Bamford probably not being good enough for the Premier League and I just sent him a message as that third one and he just said what am I watching because I didn't think he had it in him and Absolutely fair play to him. He's he's well and truly made us look like idiots because he cannot stop scoring in the Premier League, and and that's fine. I don't be made to look a fool when it's uh, when it's so enjoyable. I think that's the reassuring thing is that he hasn't stopped scoring. It was always the worry with Bamford that he goes on runs and then, I mean, thinking back to this time last season, it was exactly this point last season when he was being dropped for not scoring for nine games, and he was in that rut where he was kind of he pretty much all the way until New Year. He, when Enketia was fit, you'd see Bamford going off at half time and really wasn't established at all. And there was always that question of, well, if he gets one, he'll score plenty of goals after that. But when is he going to get that one? Is always the worry with, with Bamford. So far this season, he scored in four out of our six games. And even if he had that little two game gap where there weren't any goals, it didn't become three, four, five. We weren't getting to that point of wondering when Pat Bamford's going to score again, if he keeps that up especially if it keeps him on track for his 38 and 38, I might find him tolerable. <laughs> I've got to admit, at the start of the season, if someone had told me he'd get 10 or 12 this season, I'd have thought that was absolutely fine. I'd have said that was a reasonable return and he's going to do it by Christmas. We can't be the only people who probably thought when Rodrigo came in, well, 
that's Bamford probably relegated to second choice now, but actually they've dovetailed really nicely in together. Into each other's arms, as you saw in the celebration. Beautifully so. I've been reflecting on this and I wonder if Bamford had maybe, he'd become the sort of the lightning rod for all our anxieties in trying to get promoted, particularly because you're up front, you've, you've got the burden of, of the number nine shirt, you've got the burden of the Legion United badge on your chest. And the word that I used at the time when we were promoted was healed. It feels like I've completely healed from all that anxiety of being in the lower leagues. And suddenly it's like, I feel a lot freer being a Leeds fan. And I wonder if that same feeling has kind of percolated its way through the players and Bamford seems to be just be enjoying the lack of pressure. I think Rodrigo potentially helped Bamford as well in that he's someone else who we do expect to score goals. If he's playing as a, as a 10, probably not 20 a season, but you would hope he'll chip in with at least 10 himself. And Rafinha looks like someone who could maybe come in and get extra goals from the wing. Harrison seems to get better every year. So if there's if the pressure is spread for Bamford's sake and for all of our sakes, it can only be a good thing. Yeah, and the change from chasing promotion after 16 years to just enjoying what we're doing for the first time in 16 years is a a big difference in expectations. Those chances Bamford missed in the first half, if he'd missed them in a game at the start of last season when we were... The problem with the start of last season was we still had that massive hangover from Derby in the playoffs and it was the games against Swansea and then Derby themselves where we kind of repeated those things, conceding late goals and silly giving silly things away and not taking our chances was the, the big thing. And if, if you'd have that first half performance last November or last October, it would have been a very different attitude. I mean, he would have had to score at least three in the second half to even make up for it. Now, just let him have another go in the second half. It's fine. And the first Premier League hat-trick since Viduka at Charlton in 2003. We're going to do hat-tricks actually on the extra ball that we are recording later on this week. So keep an eye out for that. It was an incredibly dominant second half, actually. We, we refer often to the uh, the bar charts that, that SofaScore do, which are great, which shows the attacking momentum and, and the strength of the attacks as well for home versus the away side. And we absolutely rinse them looking at this. It's all, um, it's all the away team, which was us on Friday. Wave after wave after wave in that second half and really strong attacks at that. 60% possession, 27 shots versus their 12. 20 of those from inside the box. Comprehensive win in the end. It's odd, you don't, it's the wrong thing to do, everyone would say, to come up to the Premier League and do this. You're meant to keep it tight and try and get, try and win your home games against other lower half teams. And you just, you take a point at Villa and that's meant to be a nice thing. And instead, we got 1 0 up and then we didn't think, well, let's try and hold this. Or, you know, if they equalised, that's fine too. We just went and kept scoring. And it looked like we were, if we were still playing now, Jack Harrison would still be running and still trying to score. It was relentless and it was it was great. And you could tell Villa just, they basically, I don't know if they're enough to cope with it and that they just got really fed up with having to deal with us because we're a pain in the ass. At the risk of sounding like Alex Ferguson, it's only Aston Villa and it's only Matty Cash, Tyrone Mings. I don't even know what a John McGinn is. It's the same lot that stayed up in the Premier League by a goal last year. Why not just attack the fuck out of them? It's absolutely fine. And the only time they really got into the game because they did have a, a decent spell before half time. But looking back at that, we sort of let them do it. There was Stuart Dallas seemed to just sort of give up on being a footballer for about five minutes where he's just booting the ball square, like like a half volley across the penalty area along the ground to their player. It's like, is is Stuart Dallas all right? And um Cock gave them the ball a couple of times and Luke Ayling, although he got back to clear that chance for Grealish off the line, he'd given them the ball in the first place. So we just had like a five, ten minute spell before half time where it was almost like, should we give him a chance? We've been we've been on top in this game. Let's at least 
give them a give them something to cling to. And maybe it was deliberate. Maybe that meant at halftime, Dean Smith should go, well, there you are, lads, you've got them. Go out and, and do that in the second half. Whereas in the second half, we're like, nope, no, no more just giving them the ball, Stewie. Give Leeds players the ball and keep it. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Villa this year because they've... Relegated. Well, it almost wouldn't be completely surprising still, would it? I know they've had a brilliant start and I think they are, truthfully, I think they are quite a decent side now with Barkley and Grealish. They've got quite a lot of threat and I think Watkins is a good signing as well. But when we were watching it, I said, is Tyrone Mings actually any good? Because I'm not completely sure he is. Like I've seen him, he looks like he'd be a good defender because he's, he's very tall and strong looking and he's fairly quick. But then you saw him for Bamford's goals and you think, he's kind of shit. He should be stopping those shots, or at least trying to, whereas as it was, the third one in particular, Bamford is quite strongly left-footed and he just showed him straight onto his left foot and in, almost pointed at a top corner for him and was like, well, if you can hit it there, that'll go in. So you fancy it? Oh, you've done it. Brilliant. I don't think they win any more games at all this season. They've surprised themselves against Liverpool and then back down to earth and then they'll spend the rest of the season sort of crawling along on their bellies trying to get back on their feet and then they'll play Leeds again and we'll just kick them in the face already got more points than Derby did that season though yes I keep seeing the Derby thing like the worst ever Premier League thing and I'm glad it's there because the worst ever top flight performance before then was Leeds for about 50 years so I'm quite grateful for Derby in that respect for taking the heat off us or at least our 1945 version do you know what we haven't spoken about yet at all? Um, either on the match ball or this. I don't think we spoke about it on the match ball anyway. Strike, the fact that he was hooked after 20 minutes, we didn't really spend any major time on it. And that goes to show how much we've all kind of just bought in and understand the Bielsa philosophy. It's like, oh yeah, okay. He was on a yellow card. He was in danger of being sent off. Yeah, he just took him off. And yeah, it's fine. Funnily enough, if you open the pages of the Yorkshire Evening Post today, Tuesday, by the time this is out, be all over. That's what I've written about. And exactly that, that it's just normal. And even to the point that if you'd taken Jamie Shackleton off again with about 10 minutes left, we all just would have been fine. Not a problem. And kind of, it is interesting how we've just got on board with all that stuff and we're just used to it now. And I, I imagine a scenario in which Bielsa is managing a 21-year-old Frank Lampard and takes him off after 20 minutes and has Uncle Larry on the phone. Because um, Stroik didn't look happy and it didn't help that he had that long walk around the pitch, bless him. But Everybody knows the score now at Leeds. It happens to Calvin Phillips and he, he turned out all right, didn't he? And I think it was made it was made to not be a talking point by the fact that Jamie Shackleton came on and just did really well. And there was never any point where you thought there's a real hole in that position now, even even though he did it in a very different way and the team played in probably a slightly different way than we would have done um, had he stayed on. It all just worked, so fine. There were two quite big changes as it ended up. Matches click covering for Calvin Phillips, which I don't think we've ever seen before fine, no problems whatsoever. I thought he was really good from there with his sort of bringing a little bit more attacking imagination and engine to it, like in terms of the speed that Click does things at than Phillips does. And then Shackleton doing Click's job, not really any difference was there. It was just Click without a beard. It's absolutely fine. And there is a, you know, if we're that good, because I think that's in the, the top five second half performances under Bielsa. So what do we even need Calvin Phillips for? Liam, Liam Cooper? Just sit on the bench and watch. It is a nice problem to have to uh, to repeat that phrase. Well, let's find out what, what they thought. This section is called Propaganda, which is also the title of the uh, the daily email you get as well if you're a TSB Plus subscriber, plug, plug. Now, this is quite a long one. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast, and it, it goes north of three minutes, does this. But it's worth it because it kind of it has everything in it. 
And just so you know, there is music at the start. That's not your phone going crazy or music playing. They're talking over this emotional uh, bed that sounds a little bit like the script. Here you go. I don't think I could imagine a worse way to spend any night than watch Patrick fucking Bamford score three goals against your team. Jesus Christ, Patrick Bamford scored a hat-trick and he missed two sitters. Um, I, I was certain we were going to lose to Liverpool and I accepted it. And I, I, I wasn't as worried about Leicester. Leicester, who were, until they collapsed, were in the Champions League last year. I was more worried about this game on the horizon. I don't know why. I just Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe I just knew. Maybe I knew it was coming. Maybe I knew they were going to be too aggressive, too ah, too up for it after the debacle of two years ago. I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just was not looking forward to it, and I was proved right. It was a fucking disaster. Let's talk Tyrone Mings. Um, the lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand. I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character, and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game and he, he stood on his ankle then oh, he, he probably did hurt himself in hindsight as well but I, I just like Mings getting up grabbing him by the scruff of the neck and saying lift yourself off the ground you twat well he should have went over to Stockley Park and grabbed the VAR by the scruff of the neck Bamford should have been sent off and yellow carded for that like, <laughs> it was unbelievable it was, it, was a, it was a red card for stamping on Tyrone Mings and it was a yellow card for trying to deceive the official it was, it was fucking terrible. And they're checking for a penalty. They're checking for a penalty. Fine, check for a penalty. Whenever you see that it's not a penalty, what happened? What actually happens there? He stands into Road Mings. So you've seen that because you've seen it's not a penalty. So what did he do? Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. But there was four of them standing watching Bamford just caress the ball into the net. Like one of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not, it's not, he's not that type of player. It's not any game. Somebody put on a foot there. He's not. He's not going to nick it away from me. Fucking block him. He's about to shoot. He's on. Two, he's on two goals already. He's loving this. He's rubbing this into Romang's face. He's going to shoot. There's no secret here. Block the fucking shot and forward for every attack. So there's space there. Like there's there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean they're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. They they only look good because they're all getting each other out of holes because there's 15 men, sorry, there's 11 men available whenever you've got the ball because they're all just sprinting into position for you. This, they, it, like, watching Leeds really makes you wonder what the fuck everybody else is doing. <laughs> I actually thought, how simple is football that a team can come along and just be a bit fitter than everybody like, or, or become much fitter so much quick quicker? And, and and it's like you blow everybody else out of the water. Leeds are going to storm through the, the Premier League. Now, I know they've obviously got a good coach as well, but they're just way above everybody else. Surely, at this level, everybody should be the same fitness. It's mad. It's absolutely mad. And this this really helped Liverpool you know, over the last two years as well. They've slightly adapted their system now because people were sitting in against them. And people will eventually just sit in against Leeds and that will stop them as well. But, yeah, it was, it's like it's it's so noticeable that it's it's almost comical. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside, those Brummie accents, though, really go through you, don't they? There was an element with that of almost brotherhood of podcasts. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot screaming about Jack Grealish as they do about Pat Bamford. But I like Pat Bamford, and he didn't dive. I think that penalty thing 
with Tyrone Mings that he should have had a red card and a yellow card and probably a fine and a ban and had his pets confiscated and whatever else they want to happen. We were watching it on, um, what was it, on the television. <laughs> yep, it was on the television, Moscow. Correct. And Stephen Warnock was doing the, the co-commentary and there were times when you want to defer to the opinion of a professional footballer. And I think if Stephen Warnock looks at that and just goes, oh yeah, actually he's just caught his studs in the turf, there's nothing in that, he's probably hurt himself. Fine, I'll take his players can see what players do. He didn't stamp on Tyrone Mings. He didn't fake an injury. He didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And there's a theme of that with some of the Villa stuff that have, with Tyrone Mings as well. And I, I put it in the match room report that Tyrone Mings reacted to Bamford as if he's never actually seen Jack Grealish play. He watches him um, every single match do that kind of thing, but actually diving. Go and grab him by the scruff of the neck and throw him in the river. It makes me love Patrick Bamford more when I hear these reactions Definitely. about how he comes across to other fans. Yeah. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real... He's, like if you, he's an I, unlikable character. Like I imagine other fans don't watch him speak and stuff and see like training ground footage and all the stuff that we do as Leeds fans, but he comes across as a, a really nice guy. All the criticism we've ever given him, I've never thought that he's anything other than nice. Of course he's a nice person. Just doesn't score enough goals in the championship. He's waiting to be in the Premier League. But this unlikable character being a twat to Tyrone Mings. What do they think he was doing to Tyrone Mings all game? Part of the criticism I saw of him online, you know when he scored, it might have been the hat-trick goal, I can't remember, but he did the Z symbol, which turned out to be a lightning bolt. I saw some Birmingham fans online claiming that it was to do with Zulus, which is the which is their hooligan firm, and he was winding them up. And it's just like... No, it was he was promoting an ethical no, trainer no, brand. He's a fan of the film Zorro. Everybody knows that. <laughs> but who in their right mind thinks fucking Patrick Bamford is piling into seventies and eighties hooligan beef? Like he's been been watching DVDs of it at home that he's bought off the market. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to fucking show them when I score against Villa. Goes to show, doesn't it, as well that Tyrone Mings risking a booking and a sending off actually himself because he'd already been booked by that point, hadn't he? Um, lifting Patrick Bamford up by the shirt is their highlight from uh, from that game. Delicious. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their their grief with it. Those other because they're like, not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. <laughs> the the key line is that we're we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. They're good players, some of them, and some of them, um, which I don't know if some people might view this as cheating. Some of them have been made loads better by coaching. But now are permanently better. Don, if you've have you heard as well the um, the rumor that when you put like eleven players together in what's known as a team, that actually that's what's important. Oh, like a collective effort. Yeah, it's the collective effort of the what what's known as a team. Oh, okay, that determines the outcome, and that therefore is what kind of influenced this. It wasn't our players are shit; it's that our team is fucking great. And the fitness thing is genuinely interesting as well. I think we've become quite used to Stuart Dallas just being a twenty four seven combustion engine seeing it through an Aston Villa fan's eyes and it's, you know, why aren't Aston Villa as fit as Leeds United? It's a good question. Why are Leeds United the only club in the, the Premier League doing double sessions, triple sessions, whatever Marcelo Bielsa is making them do? It seems like the only team that um, is coming close to us on any of this is Huddersfield Town and that's only because they've got the son of Bielsa doing his work there. So we are, unless the panic in these Villa fans' voices is 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 acted upon and other clubs get their act together and train their players properly the next 10 years is just going to be West Yorkshire dominance it's going to be Leeds United and Huddersfield Town at the top of the Premier League the Champions League um, the World Club Cup 
trying to decide who is the best team in the world and everybody else will just be also rounds. The answer is us. Um, let's move on to somebody else then. We, have we um, had this this young lad on before? Yes, briefly. I always feel bad because he's... he's it's a child. It is a child, but he's he came to our attention when Jack Grealish didn't get in the England squad and we basically broadcast the sound of a very big sigh. And this felt like um, part two of the very big sigh. And it's a reminder as well that the Aston Villa thing, everyone kind of wondered where this beef with Villa has come from and obviously the hatred for Bamford is, well, it comes through clearly here. But he, he uh, for a young lad, he's got a long memory. He has not forgiven Fabian Delph. Yeah, well, did you say that? Did you say that then? About... Uh... About Bamford, he yeah, might on honestly. I hype, yeah, one hundred percent. Mate, I hype Bamford more than Dalf, one hundred percent, one million percent. I hype Dalf, but Bamford just tops it. Honestly, right, he's such a diver. Oh, mate, yeah, he's such a diver. Bamford is. He scored. He he's actually just scored. <laughs> That's superb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's dishing out kids' words like he's toxic. Like it's like the kids playing Fortnite and stuff, all describing each other as toxic, and then we have a teen rage at the end. That's superb. It's uh, 2015 that um, Fabian Delph left Aston Villa for Manchester City. I'd completely forgotten about all that, but this um, this lad obviously has a a long memory. He also has a very strange view. Um, he did a, that was his obviously his live stream, and then after the game, he calmed down a bit, but not much about Patrick Bamford, and he's. He's got a very weird view of what Marcelo Bielsa's tactics are. First half specifically, that all I did was literally kick and dive or everywhere. That's I think that's genuinely the game plan that they set out to play, and they it worked, and they won. So fair play to Leeds. I know we spoke there about bias, Moscow, but to suggest that we kicked and dived feels a little bit strong, in my opinion, particularly when their captain. Look at Jack. He doesn't kick. Just dives, it's better. He's the most fouled player in Premier League history by a distance. That's how special he is. We've got to remember that. I, I'd previously softened a bit on Grealish until I saw him play again. I think maybe I'd, I don't know, I'd seen highlights of him and it, I'd seen him doing some good stuff and then I'd seen him briefly in an England shirt and you don't mind it as much then. But when, when it's actually facing your team, Christ is an unlikable character. And he was crap as well. Well, well I mean, the, the bit where he ran the length of the pitch and... Yeah, that was the one bit. I mean, I know you can give too much weight to kind of algorithmic scores but Sofa score had him at 5.6 for his contribution which is the worst No, nobody else got less than 6 on that pitch even Pascal Stroik got 6.5 and, and he was only on for 20 minutes but yeah he, he did nothing although the, uh, there's an interesting view from our, our young friend who's we leave his name off this purposely because don't go chasing kids to give them abuse on the internet it's fine we've, we've all been young we've all punched a table um, when we've conceded a goal but we've never thought this about the man of the match I think obviously most players were woeful for Villa today but our man of the match without a shadow of a doubt has to go to Matty Cash he was absolutely phenomenal he was our best player 100% without a shadow of a doubt he bullied Jack Harrison in some senses like yeah the amount of tackles he made he was just he was just the best player on the pitch for for Villa obviously you know Patrick ba- well don't really speak we don't want to speak about Patrick Bamford because I'll rant again but yeah ah uh, the naivety of youth yes 27 chances was it that we had and he he bullied Jack Harrison. I, I cannot understand how he's watched that and seen Jack Harrison running past Cash over and over again and thought, doing well there. <laughs> to be fair, um, you know, again, not picking on a, a youngster, listening to a lot of the Villa fans responding to this, they all seem to think Matt Cash had a decent match. Who, who the fuck did they have <laughs> playing at fullback before? 
well, we mentioned on uh, James Bree, who went on loan to Luton. I don't know what's become of him. I don't know what their history of, I mean, they had Steve Staunton back in the day. I don't know if they're the longing for that kind of class. But yeah, I mean, Harrison had uh, five crosses. I looked before five key passes, which means he set five chances. You can't say the winger has settled five chances. Our fullback had a good game though, didn't he? Bullied him. Maybe he was just saying mean things about his hairline or something. There was a lot of quite um, reasonable stuff out there. There are too many reasonable people. I think that's why I actually enjoyed the uh, those lads at the start, the Villa Talk podcast. It was very real and I, I liked it tremendously. I also quite liked, we can tell people, AVFC vlogger on YouTube is also a very young lad, but he um, he has the good sense to edit down his uh, recording of himself watching the match and just put out the the interesting bit. And it, it is actually very good. He's If he keeps it up, it, we'll probably end up seeing him on Match of the Day or something. And I hope if he does end up on Match of the Day that he's still got his mum interjecting in the background and still has him flopping backwards on the sofa in despair when Villa concede. But this is his reaction when Grealish did have that one good thing that he did. But it's really here for the sound effect for Melier's save from the corner afterwards. Oh, Jack, shoot! Just shoot the ball! Oh, oh my God! God. Jack Greenish just ran past it there. He ran past about five players, got all the Leeds players on their arse, and then just didn't shoot for ages. He ran past one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Leeds defenders, and then it's just done the worst finish ever. Just shoot the ball, man! Shoot, Barkley, into the what? bush! What a save! It's like Conzo or Mings. Conzo with a really good shot, really good cross from Barkley, and what a save from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very Sky Sports, is that? It's, <laughs> it's good. I think every time Melier makes a save, there should be some kind of... <laughs> Watching that Grealish chance back, he really should have shot earlier. Or at one point, he could have passed to Watkins, who was stood right at the side of him, who would have had a really easy finish. But he's a greedy twat. And he gave us the chance for... <laughs> in our goal. And yeah, this is him at, at 3-0. I kind of... I enjoy just the um, the enthusiastic response to Villa losing. He's quite accurate in his uh, assessment of what the problems are for Villa. Where's Barkley? Where's McGinn? They just get all the space they want and that's why we're losing and we don't deserve... To be getting anything out of this game so far. Pitchy Rodrigo's got the mountains of space to Costa, to Bamford, who dribbles past three of our defenders and sticks it in the top left corner. What is going on with this team, man? Yes, that's a really, really good goal from Bamford, but so, so, so much space. So much space. Oh, for God's sake. Rodrigo's got the amount, the more than enough space. Costa gets all the time in the world. Bamford, he's got three defenders on him and he still managed to get a shot away. Not been our day at all. Look, boom, boom, boom. No one tackles him. It's a really good, it's actually a really good finish. They're all just crowding around him, but just watch his feet. But, I don't know. Poor 3-0, this game's gone. I thought he was going to burst into the Wenger boys then. It's, he reminds me of, do you remember that um, Rotherham fan who came and did a vlog at Elland Road and spent most of it just talking about how brilliant um, Leeds were and then you started seeing him doing more and more Leeds games. Not too late to change, lad. Not too late to change. We should say happy birthday to Phil Hay on this podcast. It was quite a big birthday for him this week, which means he's away. 
lazy so-and-so, that's what he is. Uh, hopefully we'll be catching up with him on the Phil Hayes Show, our podcast that we do uh, for The Athletic later on this week. In the meantime, do check out the guy, the man of the moment, and Patrick Bamford. Phil did a bit of a deep dive on him and, uh, and his past clubs and some of the horrible things that people have said about Pat Bamford in the past, including, uh, was it Crystal Palace? Was, this, was it Pardew who was responsible for sending him over into the group of right-footers instead of the left-footers? I mean, what a cruel, cruel way to show you don't give a shit about a footballer. I mean, Sean Dyche made him eat worms, so it could have been worse. You can read all Phil's stuff on The Athletic, plus loads of football and sports coverage from around the world. And right now it's a pound a month. Uh, details at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Happy 50th, Phil. He's staying forever. Oh God, so pleased. Bielsa, I'm very comfortable living and managing in England. He mentioned in his presser recently, didn't he? Uh, annual contracts <laughs> doesn't mean that I'm not open to staying here for longer. Well, that's good news. I like that news. It was a little bit of hope we needed. I think we were all fearing that we'd never see him again in the flesh in Ellen Road, but he can surely if he can give us another season, we'll get to see him at least at least a bit. Champions League, isn't it, next year? So um, he's going to want to manage in that. I am also very comfortable with Marcel Labielsa living and managing in England. It's one thing that me and him have in common. And yeah, it depends what the challenges are, I think, season by season. What's the expectation? How's it gone? And yeah, there, there doesn't need to be a, a, a time limit on it. Just stay forever as long as it just... As long as there's something interesting. We, we may get to the point where we have to be like, well, we're really going to go for the Johnston's paint this year because just he wants to win a cup. But I'm fine with that. In, in, anything he needs to be more comfortable in England? Drops the line. He doesn't want anything, does he? He's happy with a tiny flat, being cut off from his family. This is all I deserve. Yeah. <laughs> the thing with it up to this point is that because it's only ever been an annual contract and it's been ace every year so far. I mean, I know the first year ended badly. Second year ended quite well. And this year, obviously, going to end with spectacular success. It's always felt like a holiday romance in that you, you know you've got to go home at some point and all this will be over and you probably won't see each other again. It's not completely new news. It's good to have him saying this, but there was the hint from Angus Kinnear after we'd got promoted, so I suppose it was very easy to say it then, but he said that if we hadn't gone up last season, he wasn't ruling out that Bielsa could have been convinced into a, or would have been up for another go. There does seem to be something about the way Bielsa has settled in in Leeds and the way the work is going, and we've said before that there's probably a lot of credit to Kinnear and Radrizzani and Orta for actually keeping the most demanding manager in club football, somebody who walked out of Lazio after four days, who spent his first season at Marseille criticising his own club president. Holder, this the, I've always referred to it. It's my favourite photograph of Bielsa. I think of him laying into the uh, the president of Marseille at a press conference when he is, he's just about to start the first season as Marseille coach and their press officer is in the background with a, a head in her hands. Just oh my God. We've had none of that. There's obviously been bumpy stuff behind the scenes and we know Radrizzani wasn't happy about the Spygate stuff but they've sorted it all out kept it going kept him in job and kept him feeling like he is doing something here that's worth continuing with and I think that's the that was always the difference it, um, when he did finally give up at Marseille it was more broken promises so what's the point in carrying on Lazio he turns up they haven't done anything he'd asked for so what's the point in carrying on whereas here there always seems to be, no, this can grow, this can develop, we can win the Champions League. Just hand the whole club over to him, because then he'll, he'll always be happy, won't he, if you say you can run everything. You're gonna have, he's going to have to obviously have a few more hours to sort catering contracts and stuff, but he'll do it, and he'll do a good job of it. I think they're not, they're not far off having done that. I, I would wager that they're all bloody terrified of him. 
I mean, he sorted the car park out, for one thing. I think, and that was, I mean, it's sort of related to football that you thought the players were coming in a bad mood because they were trying to find a parking space. So it, it got sorted out from that. But it's, um, I think he's got the right balance of, you know, he wants a running track. They put in a, a running track and he wants this and it, it happens. And if it can't happen, like the whole Daniel James, Shea Adams stuff, there were good reasons for it. He understood why it didn't happen. So it was all fine. It all seems worryingly healthy. And he likes the under-23s and there's some great prospects in there, as we saw from the lineup in the in the previous game. Young lad by the name of Hernandez who played. He looks quite handy. It was a fine choice there to put him as the lead picture for it as well when, on the social media poster. I mean, Pablo, for his many qualities, he's not a young-looking man, is he? He's got the eyes of a, a someone who's seen things and, and lived a life. And there he is with under-23 written right underneath his, his very old face. It did momentarily raise hopes and expectations that perhaps we had regenerated a young version of Pablo Hernandez. This is what like Adam Forshaw comes clanking out of the physio room and it's Pablo Hernandez's head stuck on top and metal hips. But no, just same old Pablo. But it was Rafinha, really, who seemed to, um, let's say the under-23 seems to be a level he doesn't struggle with. <laughs> he looked really good, didn't he? Very, very encouraged by that. Just piss-taking. Um, I'll, I mean, it's probably not the way you're supposed to, to take it. Mark Jackson did an interview afterwards where he's like, oh, very pleased with the attitude shown by the senior players coming down to the under-23. Rafinha just took the piss for 90 minutes, but if that's what he wants to do, you know, he created some chances. He scored. 2-0 win, beat Norwich. Have that year. Fucking mustard-eating pricks. <laughs> it wasn't even... I mean, we, in a way, we were quite kind. We didn't we didn't play Meslier in net. We, we didn't play Jamie Shackleton. It was This was a weakened team. Could we actually play our first team in the under-23s in terms of ages? We can't be far off, can we? Because who's old? Well, I suppose, yeah, Ailing. You have to get, you have to get Ailing and Dallas out, probably. Click but as well. Click's quite an old man. He just doesn't look it. You can you could play, a certainly, I think, I think you could probably assemble like a reasonable championship team, though, out of our under-23s now, which is quite a step up. And it's nice that we have, because the under-23s have stepped up to a much harder division this year because of our changing category for the academy. And it's... It's going well. Are we third or something in that league now? So, good. Let's get promoted and win the next one. Easy. Just to look through the injuries, obviously, uh, Pablo coming back from his uh, his lack of playing time. Um, Cooper, back anytime soon. Urente, they said, what, three weeks? And that was a couple of weeks ago. So, there's, there seem to be hints in the in the, uh, in the press chatter anyway that we might see one or if not uh, both of them back by the time we get round to Leicester on, uh, on Monday. And then Bielsa wasn't happy about this uh, this idea that Calvin Phillips would be out for six weeks. And there was he was almost going to go off at Adam Pope. Where did you get this information? And yeah, this coming out the little laptop speaker, it's the information we got from the club. That's hello. So he had to settle his anger and then go and find out who's putting this uh, this scurrilous story out. But as we've discovered, don't need him. Adam Forshaw as well on the cusp of a comeback. Don't need him either, as he has been for the last year. <laughs> Poor Adam Forshaw. Oh. One day. One day I'll be back. Quick word if we can then on pay-per-view because there's a meeting on Tuesday to decide the future of that. Seems to have backfired. Seems to have raised a lot of money for charity in the meantime, which is good news. I mean, has this happened yet? The meeting? Yeah. Isn't it happening now? Is this the meeting? Us three. I think we should, I vote we scrap it. Yeah, I think so too. Put all the games live on Channel 4. And give, get the, give Quest some. Get the Football Italia production team to come in and, and do it, and that would be absolutely fine. I didn't see this, but Sky were hosting a debate, basically putting the boot in to say that pay-per-view on Sky is terrible. 
I don't know if they're completely going with the, uh, the the way the wind is blowing, or maybe they are moving into because the football is so expensive. They are just going to, going to become. When is Sky Debate launching? Because the um, Scum Chelsea match was only enlivened. The only interesting part of that was Patrice Evra and Jimmy Hasselbank just sticking the boot into each other for ten minutes after the match. Much more interesting watching them to argue than watching Man United players actually try to play football. So maybe um, they'll come out of this meeting saying we're not going to put football on the television anymore. We're just going to have arguments about it, which, to be fair, talks sport on television, isn't it? It's more entertaining than a lot of the Premier League is at the minute anyway, because all these games are bollocks compared to watching Leeds, aren't they? No coincidence that we've been put up for the telly against what, Arsenal and Everton as well in the next sort of month or two. So by my reckoning... Um, we're going to have been in, I think, seven of our, because you're guaranteed a minimum 10 TV appearances in the UK as part of the TV contract. We'll have hit seven be- before Christmas, if not more, maybe eight or nine, I think, by that point, if we assume that, like, say, Man United's going to be on telly and Chelsea as well. So um, uh, once you get past 10, then it's an extra £1.2 million per game that you're on. And the top team, I think, last year was, it was the Liverpool, uh, we're on about 26, 27 times. So, Assuming we get north of 20 across the season, there should be some nice money in this for the club. Which is a nice change, whereas in the Football League you got... 10 pence, wasn't it? It was not much, was it? It, gen- it generally didn't cover anything. It was £100,000 per home game and then £10,000 per away game. And as has been pointed out, Pat Bamford did score more than any other team apart from Leeds United over the weekend. And it's funny, having waited for so long to get into the Premier League, because we played on Friday night, I just ignored the rest of the Premier League didn't care. It was like being back in the Championship again, that we'd as if we'd played, well, as if we played Aston Villa on Friday night. And then the rest of the weekend is kind of like, oh, West Ham City? Mm, no, I mean, Fulham, Crystal Palace, no question. Uh, Scum v Chelsea tried watching it, couldn't, too hard. Liverpool, Sheffield United, unless Brian Dean and Bruce Grobler are playing, it's not good. Southampton versus Everton, just uh, they should null and void that. Wolves against Newcastle where Wolves beat us last week so don't want to see them play Arsenal against Leicester it would just be I mean that's just Cockney's arguing in the end Brighton against West Brom is a League One fixture Burnley versus Tottenham is an FA Cup final from 1952 so no reason to watch any of that and there isn't another game there's no other fixtures until Monday night in the Premier League One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Monday night is our next game then, and we've got Leicester City who have cheeky swines snuck ahead of us in the table. They've gone up to fourth. Um, they've won at Man City and Arsenal. However, they've lost at home to West Ham and Villa, so it's, it's hard to know what to expect from them, really, isn't it? I don't feel as worried as I probably should, given they're a, they've been a really good team for several years now. I think we can run more than them. That's what I took from the Aston Villa game. We're very good at running. But that's all you do. That's all Leeds do. They just run. My concern is that they might sit back and just hit a ball over the top and Jamie Vardy will score. That's how they'll beat us if they do. But I think we'll be all right. That's pretty much how they beat Manchester City. And I was reading about them on The Athletic whoever the guy is who does their um, tactics. Tom Warville, there you go. He's good at maths. So I was reading what he had to say about Leicester and they're um, a lot less exciting. It's basically the thing. They're not doing as much. The fullbacks are are boring now. They used to be exciting. They used to be good, but they've they've left and they sit back and they don't press as much. So all the things that kind of made it sound like we should be able to beat them because they won't be trying to take the ball off us as much, but then also raise that spectre of championship teams sitting back and watching. It kind of has a, a, a Wolves vibe to it, um, this one for me. Whereas I was, I was quite confident going into Villa, but I always felt there was just a bit of a red flag against the Wolves game in that they might just be able to sneak something from us. I mean, as it was, we had the, the run of Wolves for, for a lot of it, but by not scoring, we kind of uh, found ourselves in that position where we're vulnerable to a goal on the counter, and they did. And I think Leicester, I think, I think they present a similar sort of threat in that regard, but I think we've got enough in this one. It could, because we're still kind of trying to find our way through this division, aren't we? That's the thing. Much as I said with Villa, it'll be interesting to see where they actually finish. It's still not completely clear where we're going to finish. We've had a very good start, and I think our performances suggest we can be aiming, certainly for mid-table. But, I mean, Leicester have done it over a a much longer period of time now, and I think we probably should take them fairly seriously. Because they they are legitimately one of the best sides in the Premier League, and have been for a while now. So, it's just that, so far this season, if Jamie Vardy hasn't scored, They've not really looked all that good. So I think we should injure him early and that'll be fine. They won the Premier League, didn't they? I didn't dream that. Happened, definitely did. Yeah, and a lot of those players have gone, but they somehow still seem to be okay. We, we've we only come up against Brendan Rodgers once. It's strange, and it was a long, long time ago, 10-11, Swansea. They beat us and we beat them. So draw your own conclusions from that, ladies and gentlemen. Did you ever see the documentary of him when he was at Liverpool? I can't remember what it was called. I think it was on. I think it was an American thing, but it was on Channel Five. He was very Brent in it. He was not. Um, it didn't come across well. And there's a bit of it when he was at home with his wife, who he he has since left now, where he he almost seemed to apologise for her not being as attractive as you might imagine. He sort of went, "Oh, this is my wife. We've we've been together. Uh, we've been together for years." As in, she's from before. She's been before all this money and and stuff. Looking for. Uh, Looking for a change, probably. And he, and he got one. I could do well now and get myself a trophy wife. Exactly. I could get my teeth done, which again, he, he has sorted out since then as well. Quick word on um, on Jamie Vardy and presenting the major threat. Me and my dad had a WhatsApp conversation about this uh, last night and it took three attempts to get to the name. He, he came out as Verdi, Verardi, and then upon my third prompting, we managed to get there, Vardy. He, uh, <laughs> I share his, his pain because obviously there's the Luke Varney confusion, but... Since um, uh, Leicester City have been a popular football team that they show on the television, 
They have that um, Telemann in midfield, who I always confuse with George Philippe Telemann, the German broke composer. Ah, from, uh, I, I confuse them as well. All the bloody time. Sick of it. He uh, was um, the musical director of the five main churches in Hamburg after 1721. And then I, I wonder... What are, the, what are the five main ones? Um, well, I mean, there's the cathedral, obviously, for a start. I'll, I'll come back to that, but I was just going to say gonna what he... Uh, das, das Kathedral. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you them all, though. What he has in common with... Uh, well, I hope he doesn't have in common with Brendan Rogers is his, uh, his second wife, um, whose extramarital affairs and uh, large gambling debts were accumulated before leaving him in the lurch. I don't know if that's why Rogers brought him into midfield. It's kind of a, a kindred spirit. How do you think this one's going to go? I fancy home win. Are we at home or away? We're at home. I forget now that it's just generic, silent television coverage. Yeah, why not? Let's have another win. That's a bit optimistic for you. you Isn't know. it? Yeah. 3-2. We can maybe catch them. I mean, they're, they're playing AEK Athens before they play us. That's got to be Thursday night. Is it so they're doing the um, Thursday Monday version of UEFA Cup play? Whoscored.com tell me that their their strengths include stealing the ball, so they could all be in jail before we um, we play them. And they're very weak at stopping opponents from creating chances. And as we've seen, Bambino just needs a, a couple now, and he'll. Um, I think it's going to be another hat trick. Bambino versus Schmeichel put the uh, the poor man's Erling Haaland in his place. Also, uh, poor at defending counter-attacks, which we showed we're very good at. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll absolutely bollocks these. It's going to be fine. They'll be knackered from Greece. It's away, the Athens match as well. Schmeichel, he's always uncomfortable playing against Leeds because oh, we're mean to him because of his dad. Yes, and their uh, midfielder is a composer who's still trying to pay off his wife's gambling debts from the 16th century or the 17th. I don't know. I always get confused. 1700s. That's the 18th century. Right. <laughs> well, I knew I was wrong. As we continue to make the Premier League better, we're offering solutions to fix it once and for all. Never mind project, big picture. We're, we're sorting it out properly here on the Square Ball podcast. Um, we're picking out the problems one per week in this bit. It's called What's Wrong with the Premier League? What is wrong with the Premier League this week? It's funny you mentioned the project, big picture, because I saw bits of Scum and Chelsea. Crap on it. No, got, no, neither of them have got any class through the, the squad, the manager, the club as a whole. No ideas on the pitch. Just terrible, boring football. Um, so I'm going to suggest we need to start separating off the chaff the, and the top six breakaway. So that's us, along with Everton, Liverpool, Villa, um, Leicester, Southampton. We might as well go alone. Just cut them off. They can go and play. I mean, they need to be playing teams like Burnley. Well, they, should, they, they shouldn't be getting the same share of TV money as actual entertaining clubs like us. So I think it's only fair we come off. We are adding more value to the Premier League than they are, aren't we? Definitely. So you're absolutely right. Give us more of the money. Pull up the drawbridge. Give us, give us all the money. And they've set the precedent because this is what they wanted. So it's only fair that they will, would stick by it now, I think. And they'd have to accept that it was a good idea then. It's a good idea now. Um, unfortunately, they're just on the wrong side of it. As I was saying before, you saw this weekend what a Premier League without Leeds United is like. It was rubbish. I don't know a single person who watched any of it. Viewing figures, zero. Whether it's pay-per-view, whether it was free-to-air, whether it was shown in people's back gardens. The only uh, people who made any money from that were curtain salesmen. The only thing I don't like about the solution to this is that we're in a league with Leicester and Southampton, and that's League One to me. And if it's that, then I want, then we either find some better teams Maybe some European teams that we like, not PSV because they always beat us. Maritimo, get them over, and it means then we go to which was the island they were from? Port- Madeira. 
Yes. So wine, Lee Sharp, all the things you you want from a football match. It's either that or uh, we really embrace the League One thing and we get some teams from down there who we liked playing, but I can't think of any. Huddersfield, do we get them involved? I mean, they're going to be playing better football than anybody else soon, aren't they? So may as well have them keep your uh, your friends close and your enemies closer. 85 years they've been doing law at Levi Solicitors, so they're quite good at it by now and they're completely transparent on their fees. They've got loads of services, both for you and for your business. So if you've got wills and probate issues, residential conveyancing for the individual, even personal dispute resolution, they'll take care of that for you. For your business as well, there's commercial dispute resolution as well, licensing issues and debt recovery. Any of those, plenty more listed on their website and a 10% discount for you too for going through us. Head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. We wrap up the podcast with Heroes and Villains, the final part of the show, and we start off with the Ken Bates Villainy Award. That's the first one um, that we do in this section. Ken Bates has to have the opening nomination. Uh, what's he done this week? Anything? Well, no, but um, in a week where Marcus Rashford's been trying to feed children and there's been lots of debate around that, it's, it's worth always remembering that Ken Bates... He didn't want to stop at not feeding them. He didn't want them to have water either, did he? It was, um, was it Water Aid, the charity that he was criticising, or was it just the general concept of, of children being able to drink? Yes, it was about sending water to Africa, and he just thought it shouldn't be done. Yeah, do feed and, and water kids. It's probably for the best. If we, can, if we can manage to do that between us, I think we'll be all right. If you can do it for a plant, you can do it for a child. Tell me I'm wrong. A fine motto to carry through through life with you there, Moscow. Thank you. Gabby Agbon Lahore's obviously been um, gobbing off. Gobby Agbon Lahore, if we're going to re, uh, rechristen him. He's been made to look like a proper twat this week, and I've enjoyed that a great deal. I almost don't want to nominate him for villainy, but we kind of have to. Well, he's, he's gone down that route now, hasn't he? He's been like, oh, fishing, rattled, rent-free. That's the standard thing. It happens all the time. He made a bizarre claim that... Having Gabby Agbonglahor say things about us is part of being a big club, as if it's part of like um, a ritual of growing up. We said, well, Liverpool and Man City fans, they don't get annoyed about what Gabby Agbonglahor says. So if you want to be a big club, you've got to learn to ignore me. And that's basically what this whole thing is like, oh, Leeds fans, how can they be so, so upset about something I've said? Why are they listening to me? If he wants us to ignore him, the easiest way to do it is to shut the fuck up because I was ignoring Gabriel Agbonglahor without even realising it every day of my life. And that made me happy and apparently it made him happy. So we could both be happy if he just fucked off. (laughs) But instead he's fucked off to Sky Sports and Talk Sport and he's baiting the line as the the phrase. It's the emoji, isn't it? The fishing emoji brought to life is Gabby Agbonar. We are recording on Tuesday afternoon and before I walked down here, I noticed he was on TalkSport with Danny Mills oh, f- and they were setting up, they were setting up, it was basically after the break, it will be Leeds versus Villa, the debate with those two and they'd already done stuff, it was like, um, uh, I think the big question was should Michael Antonio be in the England squad and it's Danny Mills saying, Yes, he should be in there instead of Jack Grealish. And Abonlaw saying, well, he should be in there instead of Calvin Phillips, shouldn't he? And just, nobody needs this on a Tuesday morning. I mean, we were talking about Telemans before, the, the classical composer. His music for recorder is very good, and it's all on Spotify. Listen to that. It will make you feel a lot better than listening to, than listening to, than listening to Gabby Abonlaw. <laughs> 
with a recorder up his ass. Yeah, it's it's very one-dimensional and it should just go away. Especially if that's what he wants. He doesn't know, does he? That's the whole no. point. That's the whole point. Well, he's a liar then, isn't he? So he's not just a fool, he's a liar. One of the great things about Agbon Lahore was that we we kind of picked up on his inability to keep his powder dry. And that's the same for, for George Galloway, who, um, after Bamford missed those chances in the first half, uh, tweeted to say, well, actually, do you want to do it in, is, is he here, George? He's very um, stop-start, isn't he, Galloway? I'm genuinely sorry to say this, but LUFC needs to invest in the striker in January. Bamford, not good enough at this level. Furthermore, the Americans, imperialist Israel supporter. It's probably best if we don't go into his views on that stuff. I think we best avoid that. Don't know about you. His views on strikers um, are poor, anyway, was the main thing. But it's it's part of being in the Premier League, I suppose, that you see George Galloway commenting on your, your striker. It just makes no sense whatsoever. At least, I mean, Gabby Agbonglahor. <laughs> his name I'm struggling to say, and I can't, I can't understand why it's the Gabby part. Let's think of all the Gabbies I know. It's because your brain's thinking about that second G in his surname. That's what it is. You think say I can say Gabby Logan, and that's got a second G. I thought you'd be a Roslyn man. There's no second G, but Gabby Roslyn, not a problem. Gabrielle, the singer. I'll tell you, we do have a problem with Mickey Apples. What's he playing at? I think he's going to be a recurring candidate for this. Robbie Gotts, unused sub again. Robbie Gotts started against Arsenal. Why can't he play for Lincoln? He should be playing for Lincoln and Michael Appleton needs to pull his finger out of his ass, doesn't he? Or we need to sign whoever is playing in midfield for Lincoln because they've got to be brilliant. I think it's Liam Bridcut. Oh, shut the <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> no, come on, that's got to be lies. Um, just to return to the theme of us correcting the Premier League, making it better and being the best team that football's ever seen. Fulham, I want to nominate Fulham because they're not even trying, are they? Rubbish. We kind of saw this coming with Scotty Parker. When we were going up against them last year, we were all for Scotty Parker because he uh, was obviously not a good enough manager despite them having a really good squad and uh, they now have a comparatively less good squad because they're in a better league and they're fucking terrible so they're never going to win a game in it so keep him though do keep him I've still I'm still not at that point of comfort yet where I feel our good start completely insulates us from relegation so it's good to see some teams willing to sacrifice themselves fucking is Liam Broodcutt as well he's the captain (laughs) What I do like about what they're doing at the bottom, or not doing rather, is that the bottom three clubs, that's Fulham, Sheffield United and Burnley, have all got one point each. West Brom have only got three. And then you're up to Brighton in 16th with five points. We've got 10. So we're nine points clear of the relegation zone already. And that's actually a hell of a lot to make up over a full season. I mean, we've still got 32 games to play, but that's a lot of points to make up. And the nice thing about being chased by teams at the bottom of the league as well, rather than being chased by teams at the top, is that the ones at the bottom are shit. So they don't get three points every week. Whereas when you've got like Brentford or someone good chasing you down, it's like, oh Christ, they've won again, they've won again, they've won again. Whereas, you know, if Fulham put together a good run, it'll be like a win and a draw and then another draw and then two defeats and a win. It's not going to be quite as relentless. So they're already down is what I'm saying. Just back to Lincoln's midfield. James Jones is also in there as well, who sounds like he would be doing take that covers in a pub. But the other one um, has the brilliant name. He sounds like he should be a, a joke in open all hours. Connor McGrandles. Connor McGrandles. McGrandles? Connor Connor McGrandles. Unless it's McGrandles. Um, just about Brentford. I had no idea where they were in the league. You're talking about good teams. They're shit. They're 11th now. They've played seven. They've won three, drawn one and lost three. They've got 10 points as well, like us. But the difference is we're at the top of the Premier League and they're in the middle of the Skybet Championship. 
sold the good players, didn't they? We know from bitter experience that selling your good players makes you worse. And I've just found that Reading are five points clear at the top and suddenly they've become better than us last year. Almost. Mad, isn't it? Oh, but we would still be up there. Did you see the, the cumulative league table that just added on points from last season's if it carried on? We were still, without having played any further games in the Championship, we were still in the automatic promotion places. Brilliant. We should get something for that. This year's trophy. Yeah. Uh, Steve Nichols been at it again. He featured on this show a couple of weeks back with his his dour opinion. It was the Man City game, wasn't it? When we were going, uh, you know, toe to toe with Man City attacking waves of attacking football. Control. He needs more control. <laughs> he was annoyed, and he's been spouting off again on ESPN. It's teamed up. They've put him uh, together head to head with Frank LeBeouf, who uh, people may remember him stamping on Harry Kewell back before we didn't endorse that kind of behaviour. And it's hard to pick out who is worse out of this. Nicola's grudgingly starting to admit that we're playing good football, but I don't know if anybody's heard about this this Bielsa burnout concept. What's that? Uh, hang on a, whoa, 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 whoa. Right, just a second. Well, hang on a second. Unless, like Frank LeBeuf, you were watching Olympic Marseille, you may not know what Mr. Bielsa has in his uh, history. You're telling me, hang on a second, there's a burnout problem. I'm not telling you. Frank LeBeuf, who has watched Bielsa, he's seen him work, he's telling you. Even if I enjoy the game, even if I enjoy everything of the game and all the, the movement of leads, even of Aston Villa at the beginning of the game, I know what Mr. Biasa is capable of. Everybody's going to love him. He's going to be an attraction. He's going to be absolutely fantastic to all Leeds fans. But I have to wait. I have to wait because I've seen that with Olympic Marseille. I've seen six fantastic months and six horrible months from Olympic Marseille. So I want to be optimistic. I want to wish the best to Leeds. I want to hope that what I saw with Marseille is not going to, is not going to happen with Leeds. But I've known uh, the past of Mr. Bielsa has always been like that. I think he's putting that accent on. It sounds like he's auditioning for Allo Allo. He has an accent now, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, he was in, he was in I've just looked it up. He was, in, um, uh, he was a doctor in the Stephen Hopping Stephen Hawking, Stephen Hawking biopic, uh, The Theory of Everything. I know you're still going to be a great scientist. <laughs> I got the bad news for you, mister. <laughs> anyway, Steve Nicol uh, then chimes in on this. He's very much in agreement. Is it sustainable over the course of a Premier League season, the way Bielsa has this team play? Uh, well, I would, I would agree with Frank that, that they look great going forward. The movement is absolutely fantastic. And, and they only won 3-0 today, and I know Bamford got a hat-trick, but you kind of wonder if, if they had a couple more accomplished finishers up front, how many goals this team could score? Because they probably may have had 10, they ended up with three. I mean, that's how good they were going forward. But it's all about the movement uh, and all about the overlapping runs. And, and basically, it's about everybody running at 100 miles an hour for 90 minutes. I don't think that is sustainable, mm. not over the course of a season. You know, basically what they'll have to do is make sure they've got enough points before they run out of gas because it doesn't look like they're, they're going to play any other way. We gave our greatest output last season when all our players were still shit-faced. I mean, that is the larger point. I'm sure I wrote something along these lines in about 2015 or something. It was that long ago that we were hearing about burnout. Yes, the players get tired. They still play very well. That's the point. But, I mean, the logical gaps with Nickel here. He doesn't think it's sustainable for us to play this way all the time, but he also doesn't understand why we didn't score 10 goals. How often do teams score 10, Steve? 
if they had that little bit more quality up front, I want to see a 10-0 win. His complaint does seem to be that our striker only scored three goals. I know, as if we had to settle for it. There's more. Unfortunately, the way they do play is about as draining and physically as it's possible to be. And, and I'm not so sure they last the whole season. So, as I said, if they can get 45 points before they blow a gasket, uh, then, then hey, they're great to watch. It's draining mentally listening to him. Sounds like it's draining for him to go up a flight of fucking stairs. He, he's, uh, he's interesting to look at because he's, um, he's one of these people with a, a mouth like a cat's bum and his head just doesn't move. His head is like a, a big square cardboard box that somebody's drawn eyes and a, an arsehole on. Like the old-fashioned towel holders that you used to get in your nan's kitchen, like those? Yes, very much so. And anyway, Leboeuf uh, chimes in again with more of his uh, woo-woo, I watched Marseille. We see how the player believes in him, uh, on him, sorry, and how much he can bring to the team. But that's the main problem. He's going to use the players as much as he can. And, uh, and ha- at a certain point, the players won't, for- won't follow because they're going to be almost dead, you know, uh, because of, of the work that, that Biasa is asking and the commitment is asking. So that's where it's going to be problems coming up. He learned that doing the research for that when he was playing a doctor. Almost dead. This is the problem with the Premier League, as the guy referred to it. They act like we've never played football before, like we haven't had two years of this, and it's not the same squad that put in nearly 50 games last season for him at that level and was still outputting it right towards the end. And as if, I mean, the Marseille thing that everybody brings up against Bielsa, the reason he was having a go at their president before the season even started was because they didn't sign the players he thought they should sign to cover for players who were going away in January to the African Cup of Nations. Those players went away in January, form fell off, the whole thing fell apart, and Bielsa was essentially proved right. It wasn't as if he didn't see any of this coming and didn't do anything to mitigate against it. The club didn't back him to get past the problems that he he foresaw. So thinking that's going to happen again just because it happened at at Marseille, it would need, a well, it's a completely different situation. And I think that's maybe what Frank is not getting. I did... I think LeBeuf probably edges Nickel out in this particular duel of idiocy because he, he just slips into, um, it turns into basically an Aston Villa podcast at the end when uh, Steve Nichols trying to make actually quite a good point. I, I don't know whether it's just me, but is there anybody else getting a little sick of watching Jack Grealish falling over and failed all the time? You know, he should have got a yellow card for a dive uh, when he tried to corner the yeah, referee. What about Bamford? Um, but what about Bamford on Minx? Well, well, listen, you can listen, you can see that as well. But I'm talking in general. What about Bamford? What about Bamford? It's like fucking the French Chris Wilder. If he's going full hello hello, he should call him Bumford, really. <laughs> but um, what about Bumford? Steve Nichol just sounds drunk, doesn't he? Oh yeah, I don't like to see that sort of thing. It's that's a problem. It's, it's social media has done this. They should have got. Ten. I used to come up, everyone's gone on about this on Facebook and stuff. But I had that in my day and there was no need no all the running and stuff. You don't need that. You, you, on a Tuesday night you need to go out and have a fucking skinful. <laughs> That's how you build a team. And all this running <laughs> and this nonsense about overlapping and overloading, it's a load of oh, bollocks. He does sound very weary of life in general, does Mr. Nickel, doesn't he? And this is ESPN's coverage of the Premier League in America. Like, you know, you're trying to 
promote the game to young fans. <laughs> Razzmatazz. We, we wondered why that um, that kid on the the Manchester City YouTube channel sounded so like when he came on and he was standing in the dark and you say Manchester City losing to Leeds or drawing with Leeds. I'm sure we won that game. This is why the get it from Steve Nichol educating the new world in the the people's game. It's terrible. Don't watch it. You can Bates villain of the week. Who is it? I think LeBeuf. LeBeuf has a long running problem with Bielsa. He was on the programme with uh, Dugarry when Dugarry uh, said that Bielsa was um, a bit autistic and it all kind of kicked off after that. But he was saying, um, yeah, LeBeuf previously, he's, he's somebody I don't like. I don't like his life philosophy. I don't like how he manages a group. And for me, he's shown nothing. So yeah, LeBeuf can fucking do one. Do you know what else I didn't like, Frank? Uh, your role in uh, Avec Ma Belle Mère et Moi in 2014 when you played a, a French resistance fighter. Rubbish. Shite. That might have been a different film, actually. Doesn't matter, really, does it? I don't think you're a good actor, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, LeBeuf takes that. What about the Andy Hughes Hero Awards? Let's um, give some nominations to our players. I mean, right up top, Bambo, Bambino, George Galloway might have doubted him, but we've never had a bad word to say about him, have we? No, we've said before I always thought he'd score a good 20 goals in, in any Premier League team um, Moscow's going down for 38 and I don't think that's unrealistic the way he started I wouldn't have thought he'd score 46 in the championship now amazing well done Bambino capped off to you Melier what about that save <laughs> from, uh, from from Grealish's uh, <laughs> from, from pew 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 <laughs> From Greenish's solo run, it was a good, uh, good save. That wasn't it. It stopped uh, a media wank fest. It did. It was. It, we'd have had to see that over and over again. It had probably been put on like the titles of match of the day and stuff. It had been. It had haunted us forever. So as it was, it just was a thing that Grealish didn't do completely right in a game that his team got spanked in. It's altered history. It was like watching an episode of Quantum Leap. Melier, I think maybe what was it? Sam went into his body and put things right. Saved us from a terrible alternative future. And let's just remember, Melier, 20. There's no reason for a goalkeeper to be this good at 20 in the Premier League. I uh, I love him. He should be doing a, a YouTube channel with sound effects on it, shouldn't he? Making his own... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he will. Maybe he goes home. Well, what would a Melier sound effect like? Uh. <laughs> just doing uh, little vocal sound effects on a, a little compilation of all his saves. Sending them back to Bielsa when he WhatsApps him a, a training video, sends them back with gun noises. It was Fitzroy Baggers, who is on Twitter, who brought this one to our attention. And uh, something that sailed under the radar, 61 minutes into this game against Villa, Click did the, it was the free kick on the far side. So it was on the left-hand side of the Leeds attack. And he took a free kick just inside the Villa half, sort of level with the edge of the uh, of the centre circle. And he, he did that trick where players roll the ball out, but a lot further than it should be for the free kick. And whoever it was on that side of um, Villa's midfield, stepped forward and then kicked it back as if to say, you're not supposed to take it from there. And that was Click's intention. As soon as he did he that, went, I know, dickhead. Yeah, he put his hand on the ball and then kicked it straight past the guy who just given it back to him, to Harrison on the wing. And it was absolutely brilliant. So if you want to see that, have a look at the clip. And Steve L. Turner, uh, who's on Twitter, has found the clip and it's on his Twitter feeds of, of Click doing that. It's great fun. But he was, um, he was in fine form on Friday. Good footballer. I really, really enjoyed his half turn you know to set up Bamford's one on the edge of the box where he just sort of sailed past a couple of players just using I mean speed and fitness I mean that's not allowed is it God you need to have more than that that's no good for Leeds United and he just upset Grealish a bit so fair play to him 
I enjoyed his debate with the referee after he he'd fouled Grealish, and it was he was trying to get the ball off him when Grealish had it on the floor. Grealish started coming in and saying so much. I think Grealish talked the referee out of booking Click because he was going on so much, and you could see Click kept turning around to the ref. Like, is he going to shut up so so we can talk? And I think the referee in the end was like, I "Can't believe that wanker." But anyway, don't do that again. I'd like to give a nomination to Sheffield United, who are doing good things this week by losing again. They lost again. I don't know if you noticed that. You know whose fault that was? Whose was it? Patrick fucking Manford. Well, Sheffield United have got the good grace now to, they know that we're back in the Premier League. They had their fun last year. They had a nice time, didn't they? But the party's over now because Leeds United are back. The big boys are back and they've had the good grace to defer to us as Yorkshire's number one team. They should really bite the bullet and get Warnock in for the end of the season. They're in a battle now. They need, they're in a proper scrap. They need, a, they need an experienced man. I mean, that would get Billy Sharp back in the team immediately, wouldn't it? He'd look around that dressing room and say, I mean, he, they've spent some uh, they've spent some big money on some uh, some big strikers here. There's, uh, there's, uh, Ollie, I, I like him. He's a, he's a rough-looking lad. There's, uh, I think he's... Uh, I, I don't know if he if he was found in a, on a, working on a farm, but Sharpie, got to put him in. Yeah, a player like that, he'll score goals whatever, whatever level he will. I mean, what did he get last season? Was it, uh, was it three? I mean, uh, yeah, can't argue with quality. And... Obviously, last but by no means least, the Leeds Fans Food Bank, whose charity, not pay-per-view campaign, raised an absolute boatload of money, uh, closing in on 57 grand at last count, which is an absolutely phenomenal effort. But also to Leeds fans for stepping up to the challenge and doing something really, really good with that. Yeah, the supporters trust have kind of led all of this and it's been a, it's synced up nicely with all the stuff going on with, with Rashford, who, who probably deserves a nomination as well in truth. But um, Not having it, is he though? <sighs> no, we're not going to. We'll give it to Leeds fans instead. But yeah, it's raised a huge amount of money and it's been quite satisfying to not give it to Sky or BT or whichever channel I didn't watch it on. <laughs> well, we gave them the, the Andy Hughes Hero of the Week award last week. So this week, can we give it to, to Bambino? Because we've kind of deferred him having it for a couple of weeks and I feel he's laid down a marker now. You think he's never going to score again? Let's just say we need to strike while the iron's hot. I do have a slight concern about this week because I've been so happy with our second half performance that I do keep getting that nagging thing of what if this is as good as it gets? <laughs> Which just shows I am still quite pessimistic deep down, even when things are good. I'm just like, we're never going to play that well again. We'll probably never win 3-0 again. Never in the Premier League. That'll be it. We we'll, we'll, might finish 17th if we're lucky. We're not. It's Champions League and then a glorious tour of Europe. We can actually um, finally deliver on the booze baton party in Europe next season. So we'll, we'll bookmark that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still Munich, isn't it? Yeah. When we, when we get there. Go back and we'll, uh, we'll trounce Bayern. Okay, so is, is Bambo having the Hero of the Week? Naturally. Well done, Patrick Bamford. Uh, on the way this week, then, we're going to be talking about hat-tricks over on the Extra Ball. And if you are a TSB Plus subscriber, you get full digital access to the magazine. And not to mention, probably the, the glorious hidden part of this that we don't shout about enough, your daily email, Moscow, which is actually quite good. I like how it's written. <laughs> you should probably have a think about doing stuff with words in future. That's my recommendation it's to you. all in the past. Yeah, it's pretty. It's all right. People seem to like it. There's jokes. If you enjoy his evening post column, it's like that, but no one's edited it. Makes you think anyone edits that. I'm being mean about the evening post now. They just, I mean, there's no sub-editors in media anymore. I do enjoy it though when I do occasionally find a typo or a spelling error. Oh, I mean, it's written on. It's very much written quickly. So you're really selling it. Complain to somebody else <laughs> if you want to hand us some money over in exchange for that. Have a look for a hastily written uh, rush job that the Evening Post would reject. <laughs> have a look at the squareball.net forward slash plus. We'll catch you next time. See you in a bit. 
The Square Ball Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.